0: All right, will you please take your Bibles with me this morning and open them to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number two? Our children are leaving for Children's Church. Gospel of Luke, chapter number two. We're going to be looking at verses 8 through 20 this morning on this third Sunday of Advent. Luke 2, verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. As it had been told them, Father, we ask your blessing upon the reading of your Word, inspired, inerrant, authoritative, and sufficient. We pray that your Spirit would come now, prepare our hearts to receive it, transform our lives through the truth of it for your glory and for the good of our neighbor and our world. We ask all this in Christ's name, Amen. One of the one of the things that I really enjoy do doing and my family, we enjoy doing at this time of the year is uh, to ride around and look at all the Christmas decorations in the community. I'm sure many of you do the same thing. Lot to look at in the community, of course. There's the Christmas house over on Pittsfield Street. If you haven't seen that, I encourage you to do that. It's fantastic. And then there's one right down here on <laughs> the corner of Union and Dalbo that really goes all out pretty much at every holiday i think this year they've even added a, a clark griswold character that, to their front yard if you don't know who clark griswold is that's that's probably a good thing some of what people do with their homes at christmas time is really impressive us perhaps not so much we we have we have scooby-doo jack skellington and again, if you don't know who he is, that's also probably a good thing. And the Grinch in our front yard, so I don't really know what that says about us. Um, but we, we love seeing all the decorations. But my favorites are the nativity displays that are well done. I used to be one of those hypersensitive types that that complained about the wise man being present at the birth of a very white, blue-eyed baby Jesus in a stable, lying in a manger made of wood, none of that is accurate. (laughs) In fact, most of the things that are in our modern nativity scenes are almost certainly not historically accurate. But now I just rejoice. Anytime I see any religious imagery at all, in our increasingly secularized culture. And one thing consistent in almost every nativity display, even the the not so accurate ones, is the presence of angels. There are always angels, as there should be, because angels have, have always played a big part in God's redemptive plan. And In the Christmas narrative, especially the passage we read this morning, angels are messengers of joy. And joy is something that we we desperately need right now, isn't it? In In our culture, in our world, perhaps that's why so many this year have been so eager for this Christmas in particular to get here. Hoping that it might bring some measure of joy back to an otherwise difficult and depressing year. By the way, have you noticed, have you noticed the, the suicide hotline number scrolling across the police department sign right out here on Broadway? Have you seen that? People are empty on the inside. Isolated, they're worried. And friends, it's not just those out there. I know that many of you here today or perhaps maybe watching online are struggling with frustration over the events of this year or fear or anxiety or worry. You may even be walking that that dark road of depression and you need God to send his angels yet once again to your heart with a message of joy. But those who hope to find joy in the Christmas trees, in the holiday movies, in the lights, in the parties, and in the presents, will be disappointed because all of that's going to disappear in just a few weeks. And we're going to be left to start the new year with just as much uncertainty, frustration, and fear as we're ending this year with. So we need to find our joy somewhere else besides that. The joy that we need is a deep and abiding inner gladness that comes from experiencing God's redemptive grace toward us. And that's what we see here in our passage today in Luke 2. Redemptive history was was making a massive leap forward with the birth of the promised Savior, and God was sending His angels to announce this message of joy to those living under the enslaving weight of sin, not just the tyranny of the Roman Empire, but the tyranny of sin. And friends, there is joy for us here today in the message of the angels. So let's look at this passage together and see, first of all, that God sends His message to outcasts. He sends it to outcasts. Verse 8 says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Have you ever wondered why, of all the people, that God could have sent the angels to announce the birth of the Messiah to, why did He pick shepherds? Why then? These shepherds in the region outside of Bethlehem would have been most likely raising lambs that would have been used in the Passover sacrifices just a few months away. Think about the implications of that for a moment. These lowly shepherds raising their own imperfect lambs, their own worldly lambs, to be sacrificed for sin would be the first outsiders to see the newborn spotless Lamb of God. But there's more to their significance in the birth narrative of Jesus than just that. It wasn't just the lambs that they were raising and the Lamb of God now born. The shepherds were one of the most despised classes of people in the culture of first century Israel. I don't know if you realize that or not. You know, we picture them all sweet and lowly in our manger nativity displays, but they they were very despised people. Their way of life made them ceremonially unclean, and they were generally considered to be dishonest thieves who would steal from those who were traveling through the regions along the countryside. In 2007, when my mom and I visited Israel, we were actually able to visit a group of modern-day shepherds. These are modern-day shepherds in the Judean countryside, and as soon as we got off the bus, we were met by children looking for a handout from the rich tourists. As soon as my mom reached into her pocket for a few dollars, one child snatched them right out of her hand and took off running. I think it was a $20 bill. Just took it. And as you can see from the photo, the life of shepherds now and certainly then was truly lowly. Not glamorous, very gritty. I'm sure you've ever seen a nativity display that looked quite like that. Abby, you can move the slide, please. This announcement that the Messiah had finally arrived was, was not given to the religious leaders, to the scribes and the Pharisees who should have known to been expecting him wasn't given to the kings or to the political rulers of the day, and the angels certainly didn't come to the culturally elite. These shepherds were insignificant, unclean, and despised. They were, as one commentator put it, working-class sinners. But they were just the type that Jesus came to save. The Lutheran pastor and theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was executed... In a German prison camp during World War II says this: "The wonder of all wonders is that God loves the lowly. He is not ashamed of the lowliness of human beings. God marches right in. He chooses people as his instruments and performs wonders where one would least expect them. God is near to lowliness. He loves the lost, the neglected, the unseemly, the excluded, the weak. And the broken. Can you identify with all of that this morning? Can you identify with the shepherds? Can we see ourselves as working class sinners at heart, fully aware, fully aware of our need for grace and forgiveness? Are we part of this community of outcasts to which the joyous message of God's grace? Has come to. See, we live in a world and a culture that values wealth, beauty, power, and, and prominence. And you may feel like one of the most insignificant souls in the universe this morning. You may feel like if you vanish tomorrow, no one would even notice, much less care. Friend, hear the message of the angels today. God has come to you. Second thing that we see in this passage is that God sends a message to fearful hearts. Luke says at the end of verse 9, they were filled with great fear. This was a a shocking experience of God's holiness and a visible manifestation of His glory. I heard one songwriter once write a line that said, In the presence of angels, with God's glory on their wings. Imagine being in the presence of such a sight, just one angel. The text says an angel of the Lord. And in the Old Testament, an angel, the angel of the Lord was often a visible representation of God himself. These shepherds were terrified. They were scared to death. And then the angel gives them the most repeated command in all of Scripture, over 300 times. The Bible says, Fear not. Do not be afraid. And oh, how this should resonate with us this morning. Because we are living right now in a world that is dominated by fear. Fear. Mm-hmm. Driven by fear, we fear getting sick. We fear losing our freedom. We fear the unexpected tragedy. Every parent knows what that's like. To fear the unexpected tragedy which snatches your children away from you in a split second. We fear financial loss. Friends, we fear everything except what we should fear because we have lost our fear of God. We do not fear the holy like we should, like the shepherds did. But the angel, he didn't crush the shepherds under their fear. He said in verse 10, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. Do you need that this morning? Good news of great joy. Everybody in here has a different situation. You have a different lot in life. You have a different outlook and perspective on everything that's happening right now. You have different trials, different worries, different afflictions, different concerns. But we all need good news of great joy. Do you feel like sometimes you're living in a non-stop cycle of bad news? If you watch TV, you do. Sometimes I do. (laughs) This past Wednesday, this is embarrassing to tell, but I'm going to tell it. This past Wednesday, I woke up to an email. I broke my own rule. I never check email before I go to sleep or try not to check it when I wake up, but Wednesday morning, I checked it. woke up to an email that, that one of the bank accounts that we rarely use, but we need to keep open, had been overdrawn because some auto payment thing went through that I had completely forgotten about. And I had been charged two returned item fees. You know what I'm talking about. A 12 cent mistake cost me $72. And I preach for a living. So I called the bank. And, and told the agent what was happening, and fortunately, by God's good providence, his name was Brian. So I said, "Well, hey, man, my name's Brian too." And uh, this this uh, he was he was so gracious, and he refunded <laughs> he refunded those fees. So my days that started really bad started to get better, and then. I, later on in that, that day, it was Wednesday, I've, I got a text from, from John Ramsey over here. He's been working with our insurance company over our roof. and His text said that we're going to be able to replace the roof of this building at very little, if any, out-of-pocket expense to us. Now, that was really good news. But some days don't go that way, do they? Some days they go from bad to worse. I've had those days too. When you, when you hate to hear the phone ring because you're wondering what's next. And the grip of fear begins to tighten around our hearts. And the Lord is telling us this morning through this text, through these angels, that there is some news that can give us joy on our darkest, hardest day. Look at verse 11. This is the news. For unto you is born this day. Remember, he's talking to shepherds. outcast, Nobodies. Unto you is born this day in the city of David. That's Bethlehem. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. In other words, here's how you're going to know that you found him you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Friends, that is where our hope is this season. Not in the sights and the sounds of a commercialized Christmas, but in a gritty manger. This angel essentially preached the gospel to these shepherds by identifying this newborn baby by three divine titles he is called number 1 savior because he because god has come in the flesh to save us from our sin he is called christ because he is the chosen one the promised one sent to fulfill the redemptive plan of god for his people 3 he is called lord because he is the one true ruler over all creation, not Caesar Augustus. (laughs) This tiny baby is Lord, lying in a lowly manger, what the animals would eat out of, wrapped in poverty, is the one who would undo all the wrong done by sin, And make all things new. And at this angel's announcement, the cosmic curtain was pulled back and these outcast shepherds caught a glimpse of the unseen realm. Things that we would envy them for seeing. Verse 13, And suddenly, almost as if heaven could no longer contain itself, and it spilled over onto earth. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. That's that's, army, that's military language. The host of heaven is the armies of God. A multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. An army of angels appeared. We don't know how many. I doubt the shepherds could count them. And they were rejoicing at what was happening that very night in Bethlehem. Glory to God in heaven and peace to men on earth was their refrain. You know, depending on on the version of the Bible that you have, verse 14 may read a little differently. It may read like this, Peace and goodwill toward men. Where the ESV reads, Peace among those with whom he is pleased. Or if you use the New International Version, as I know some of you do. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. So what's going on here? There There is a textual issue here that we don't need to get tripped up on. But peace... Among those with whom he is pleased, what we read in our version this morning, seems to be the preferred translation. Here's why. This peace is not some kind of sentimental world peace for all people that Michael Jackson would sing about. The peace that Jesus brings is not for everyone. In fact... Jesus himself said in Matthew 10, 34, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, he said, but a sword. You see, the peace of Christ is an exclusive peace for those who acknowledge their sin, acknowledge their brokenness, and look to this baby Savior as Lord, those are the ones with whom God is pleased. Those are the ones who experience the peace of Christ as recipients of God's mercy and sovereign grace. Are you at peace with God this morning? You may be trusting in Christ, but your life does not feel at peace. There's some Inner turmoil going on. Maybe you are fearful of the future and the abiding joy and peace of Christ eludes you. Maybe the joy of your salvation has vanished and you don't even really know why. Maybe the stresses and the hardships of of life, the afflictions of this world have, have just snuffed it out. Friend, if that's you... Do, as the reformer Martin Luther once said, run straight to the manger and embrace this infant. The last thing that we see here in our passage, God not only sends a message to outcasts, He not only sends a message to fearful hearts, but He sends a message that changes lives. Verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. So these shepherds received the message of the angel as the word of God and they acted on it you see you see faith is always followed by action belief is always accompanied by obedience and these shepherds went with haste they dropped what they were doing and they went to bethlehem to find this baby who would be wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger Verse 17 says, When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. See, when they found baby Jesus, they started sharing, they started talking sharing their own angelic experience. The New King James Version says here, They made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. These shepherds who were outcasts became ambassadors for the gospel, for the good news of great joy that the angels had delivered to them. And There is a sweet irony of divine grace here in, this, in, the, in these verses the dishonest reputation of the shepherds made their testimony as witnesses inadmissible in any legal, legal trial or any legal matter in the Jewish culture. They were not; Their testimony was not allowed because nobody believed them. And yet here God had come to them, of all people, with the most important news this world had ever heard. The eternal Son of God laid aside the privileges of His glory in heaven and came to earth. And the only witnesses who had any clue what was really going on was a group of outcast shepherds that no one would believe. But they did not let the stigma of their way of life stop them from talking about their experience of God's grace. And friends, the world might just shrug off your testimony to the saving power of Christ as foolishness. They may shut you down, not want to hear it, keep talking anyway. Don't let something you've done in your past, or some personal or social stigma, keep you from making widely known what God has done for you. Those who heard the witness of the shepherds, they wondered in amazement. They were astonished. That's what the word means in the original language. But not Mary. Mary's response was, was different. Luke says she just treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. That word pondered means to wrestle with something internally. Think of all that had happened to this young, young lady, probably 15, 16 years old. All that had happened to her over the past year or so, and now her baby son from heaven is finally here. These strange shepherds, are, they're telling their story. and She really doesn't know what to make of it all. you ever felt like that? All this stuff going on in your life, coming at you from all sides, all angles, And you don't know what to make of it. Always wrestling with something in your heart. Perhaps you're here this morning with something you're wrestling with today in your heart. Friends, just fix your eyes on the joy of the gospel. Christ has come to save. That's the anchor. When our hearts, speculations begin to to pull us away from truth and from joy and from peace. We anchor ourselves to the truth that God has come in Christ to save. This passage really sets before us the importance of how we respond to the news, right? How we respond to the gospel, the good news of great joy. Do we, like the shepherds, respond to God's redemptive grace Toward us in faith and obedience, do we believe and obey? This message of the angels changed their lives. Their ordinary existence, just living day to day as despised outcasts, was transformed by this good news of great joy. Has that message of joy changed your life? Or do you just go from one Christmas to another Christmas? I was thinking the other day, I think I've experienced, I'm 43, so that's what, 43 Christmases? Something like that. But is it just the season of joy that we're hunting? Or is it that deep abiding joy that comes from knowing Jesus Christ, if God would send his angels today, would we believe, would we wonder in amazement at the display of God's grace in the manger, or would we say it's just a story to help us cope with the cold misery of life, no friends, it's true, it's all true, And if God would send His angels, they would call us to look on this baby Savior in His manger and see Christ on His cross and to kneel before Him as Lord. He is Savior. He is Christ. He is Lord. And if you do not know Him as all three, oh friends, right now, this very moment, You can look on him by faith and turn from your sin and turn from self-rule and put all your trust, all your hope in him. And you too can leave here this morning knowing the true joy that will outlast the dying trees and the flickering light bulbs of a season that points to a living Savior whose eternal light pierces every dark corner of our sinful, darkened hearts with good news of great joy. Our Savior is born. Friends, trust in Christ today. Let's pray.